Welcome to BioIT World's Trends from the Trenches podcast, your insider's look at the science, technology, and executive trends driving the life sciences. I'm Allison Prophet, editor at BioIT World. This episode is hosted by Stan Gloss, founder of BioTeam, a life sciences IT consulting company at the intersection of science, data, and technology. Joining Stan today is Anastasia Christensen, Global Head of AI, ML, Analytics, and Data at Pfizer. Christensen will be giving a plenary address later this month at BioIT World, and she gives Stan a sneak peek of how and where Pfizer uses AI. In a word, everywhere. Let's listen in. Anastasia, it's so nice that you could join me on my podcast today. So nice to meet you again, Stan. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, so I've been looking forward to this. You know, Pfizer has been in the news, and uh, you're recently new to Pfizer, so I'm really looking forward to getting into a little bit about your job and what you're doing. But maybe we can start by having you tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, um, I'm a scientist by training. I always like to start there because I've always been a scientist, always think like a scientist, and I've always been at the interface between science, data, and technology. So using technology to generate more data, better data, and using technology to make best use of the data for decisions is what makes me tick. Um, I'm blessed with an analytical mind, so always thinking about why something happens, like a disease developing or a therapy working, not working, and how. Well, your educational background is in? My undergraduate is in chemistry. My graduate work is in biological chemistry. And my postdoctoral training is in cellular and developmental biology. Wow, that's amazing. So tell us a little bit about your current role at Pfizer and what you do. Okay. I'm the head of um, the global head of artificial intelligence, machine learning, data, and advanced analytics. And I know that's probably the longest title that you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I sit in the digital organization, and I have responsibility for AI, ML, data across the enterprise, um, wow. from drug discovery through to commercial. Well, that's amazing. You know, that actually sounds like a role in other organizations. They might call that the chief data analytics officer doing all of that. It sounds like that kind of function. Yeah, we don't we don't have that title at Pfizer, but effectively that's probably what it is. And mm-hmm. it is one of the factors that attracted me actually to the role is um, you know, having both the data and the analytics side. So you can't complain about the data not being where it needs to be, because you've got responsibility for the data as well as the analytics. Right. You know, I read a book recently by Jean Ross uh, called uh, Designed for Digital. And in her book, she talks about something called the data backbone, that every organization really needs to have this kind of consistent layer of data that runs underneath all of the things that you do. And it sounds like in your role, you kind of are managing that data backbone that kind of feeds all the analytics going on simultaneously. So you you kind of get that nice blend of the data and the analytics, because In the end of the day, it's about getting insight, and you get insight from the analytics. But if the data doesn't work, then the analytics don't work. So having both under your thing, what challenges do you face when you're trying to manage data across an organization like Pfizer? 
Um, that's a very good question. And I have to say, so having joined Pfizer last year, I was um, impressed by the shape of our data is actually in pretty good shape, um, not as siloed as one might think, but it seems like you never have your data in perfect uh, condition. So um, our goal has been to ensure that we have fair data, you know, findable, accessible, interoperable, and, and reusable. And we've been doing that um, kind of function by function initially, while also thinking about it across the enterprise. So, so again, one of the opportunities that we have is the fact that we're working across the enterprise, and we're not the only ones who are data scientists or AIML by any stretch of the imagination. So, of course, we have embedded data scientists and embedded data engineers and embedded um, AI experts, and that means that we partner very well. And we have uh, partners that can help us to get to where we need to get to. Well, that's that's really interesting. When you say across the enterprise, it, um, you know, are you looking at, you know, all other areas besides science? Is it is, when you say really, is it really across the enterprise? Absolutely. So from research through to clinical development, to manufacturing and supply chain, to uh, commercial, medical affairs, and not only that, support functions as well. So we support um, what we call people experience, which is equivalent to human resources in other places, to uh, get use the data that's available um, to understand better um, um, colleagues' movements uh, from position to position, for example, to reduce the number of regrettable losses because we understand more when a colleague might be looking for uh, new opportunities or looking for a stretch opportunity and so on. Wow. So that's really interesting because a, a lot of times the guests that we've had on the podcast really talk about science, analytics, and all that. We really don't get into manufacturing and other parts of an organization. And I'm curious from your perspective, how are their needs different across those parts than we typically think of the needs in science? Yeah, so it's it's a very interesting question in that um, data is data and analytics is making use of the data. So, so it's mostly about understanding the questions. So the questions are different. The Data complexity might be a little bit different, um, but in the end, as long as you have the questions and you can use the data to help answer the questions, the analytical mind works the same way. And um, a lot of the the um, uh, if you th if you look across the organization and not only at Pfizer, I think generally I remember that from my previous company and the company before that, um, very much um, manufacturing space. I think are probably usually ahead of everybody else in terms mm. of making use of their data, making use of uh, model-based uh, methods and so on, because it's um, because they need to, because they are more focused on the on the quality. They tend to collect higher quality data, and some of the problems that they tackle are definitely amenable to advanced analytics methods. And so we often find that folks in the manufacturing space have higher quality data and use analytics more than you would think. That's interesting. Are you, are you able to um, take lessons learned from people who are doing uh, high quality data work in one part of an organization and 
fork it over to other lessons learned cross like cross pollination? Absolutely. That's one of the fun uh, parts of my job, actually. The fact that um, I'm constantly learning, my team's constantly learning. While we do have um, data scientists and AI experts or data engineer experts who are scientists or who are have uh, commercial understanding or who have experience with manufacturing. So we have those expertise, but we're always looking at the learning from one part of the organization to another part of the, of the organization. And um, that's what I really enjoy about this role. So how do you think your, your scientific background, one, helps you in these areas and do people kind of look at you strange from like a manufacturing standpoint and go, wait a second, you're a scientist. Like, what do you know about this? Um, it, probably less from manufacturing and more from commercial, I think, because <laughs> I am a scientist. But in general, um, people, unless I've done a recent introduction, like I just did uh, here, people kind of forget what your background is and assume you're more of a data geek or um, an analytics geek or a technology geek. So they look at you more from that perspective. And especially the scientists get really surprised when you ask a question that really demonstrates that you understood the science of what you're trying to do. So the same for uh, manufacturing, I guess, as well. And I haven't quite gotten um, up the learning curve enough on the commercial side to ask the most intelligent questions uh, from a commercial perspective, but I'm getting there. I'm getting that experience. Well, that just takes time. So Pfizer was, you know, obviously we all know Pfizer was at the center of a lot of what was going on during the COVID crisis. And you weren't necessarily there at the peak of all the, uh, what was going on, but from I'm curious what Pfizer learned about the lessons learned that they learned about data from the pandemic that they are using these days that they could carry forward that they it was just they didn't understand until the pandemic. Uh, yeah, as you said, I wasn't there uh, during that time. So what I can speak to is more from the perspective of the lessons learned that we take, what we discuss within my team, because my team obviously um, uh, was here. Uh, I think the biggest um, lesson learned was agility, like how fast you can work through things and how data and technology can enable you to work faster. So how to quickly identify and eliminate mm. obstacles and work at pace. And in fact, we have um, many light speed programs now. Uh, the first one, I think, was the COVID vaccine, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we have um, mm. many other follow on uh, programs now that we call light speed, uh, where the focus is to get to the end results that we're looking for as quickly as possible. Um, and uh, I do believe that it, the mindset makes a big difference uh, just to be thinking mm. about uh, how to remove obstacles and when you need to um, bring others in, uh, how to work um, in a larger team, a high performing team, and really being prepared for anything um, using all relevant data. So a lot of the um, the AI capabilities, acceleration of adoption of AI uh, happened during the pandemic when we were looking to um, 
to use our data most effectively and uh, simulate what the next step is. Um, you know, developing the the uh, the vaccine was one of them. Also, looking at the coating on the on the vaccine, the lipid mm. layer on the vaccine, actually to optimize it so that you have less reactions. A lot of that work was done um, um, through uh, AI and ML to actually uh, get the get to the final product. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, the story of Bannister who broke the uh, four-minute mile and how long it took to break that four-minute mile. But as soon as the four-minute mile was broken, it was broken again in the next night. You know, within the, within a year, it was broken again. So it's it's amazing once organizations can see that something can be done, that all of yeah. a sudden it it paves the way for allowing it to be done at scale or even faster than scale than before. Absolutely. Uh, it's a really good analogy. So how would you kind of characterize, I mean, we, we had, um, did, I did an article with Bill Lester a while ago, a couple of years ago before the pandemic, and we talked about Pfizer's digital strategy. How has that strategy evolved over time? And really what is, what is the digital strategy? Cause I know that that was a, a big topic at Pfizer. Well, I love this question, actually, because um, we don't have a digital strategy. Huh. Instead, we have a business strategy for a digital world. So I love that. That's Good. that's our uh, chief uh, uh, digital and technology officer. Uh, this is this is the the viewpoint, right? So we don't develop a digital strategy. We have a business strategy. Um, and it's a digital world out there. So we have to make sure that we enable our business strategy with digital capabilities. So, um, uh, yeah, that's our focus. So we have uh, the, the, the whole world is evolving and becoming much more digitally enabled healthcare uh, among the world, actually, within the world. And uh, at Pfizer, we have what we call the purpose blueprint. And mm. so that defines the priorities, the business priorities. So what we do from a digital perspective is to look at opportunities to support and accelerate our business priorities. Well, that's really interesting. So what is the you said part of your job is involved with AI and machine learning. So maybe you know how is that playing into the work that Pfizer is doing to bring new drugs to market and maybe where do you see that going in the next three to five years. So where are we today and where's it going? So um, as I'm sure you know, uh, AI, ML is now very, very popular all, all across uh, the world and in every industry. It plays a key role in every step of our drug discovery and development process. Mm. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, from early discovery through to, so from identifying um, potential targets um, for disease intervention, designing the best therapeutic agent, whether it be small molecule, large molecule, antibody, gene therapy, cell therapy, whatever you know, is the best um, uh, therapeutic, um, to uh, designing and executing clinical trials, um, to making sure that we have uh, you know, diverse populations in our uh, clinical trials, um, to um, you know, geographically distributed as well. Uh, looking at manufacturing, we talked about manufacturing already. Uh, distribution of of the drug, how to make sure that we distribute it to all the areas that it needs to be at. 
uh, you know, monitoring and real time getting the getting the information to get it to uh, the destination and get it to um, healthcare providers and to um, patients as fast as possible. Um, I also mentioned that uh, we use it in um, in all of our um, support functions as well, in our uh, people experience, in finance, in a quality organization. Uh, it really is embedded across the entire uh, pipeline. Well, that's really interesting. You know, um, my listening audience can't see you as we're recording this, but in your background, there's, there's a saying, science will win. That's really interesting. What is what does that mean to you um, and to Pfizer? So I'm not a hundred percent certain when that um, slogan started. I think it was during the pandemic, and it was during the time when a lot of people were uh, concerned about the pandemic and what will happen. And um, our focus was on science to make mm. sure that we understand. Um, how the virus works to understand how we can stop the virus, how we can not only develop a vaccine, but also develop, develop a therapeutic. And it probably was something that kept, kept everybody going. We'll focus on the science, science will win. And it became a slogan. We actually have uh, banners with T-shirts, uh, mugs that say science will win. I was um, garb I bought when I first joined Pfizer for my first Christmas, all my family got science will win, uh, you know, t-shirts or mugs or something. That's great. I had never seen that before, but I do actually like it quite a bit. You know, it, it's such, well. it's such an upbeat message, especially from the, the, the marketplace that we work in. So I just want to kind of wrap up our conversation with, you know, asking what your advice would be for a startup company they're you know they're setting up a solid data foundation to support their research to then drive ai and machine learning what advice could you give a startup company i would start by saying expect the unexpected <laughs> so uh start early and um you know start early and start with the end in mind so before it yeah, as you're thinking about what do you need to do with the data you've collected? Think about not just the infrastructure for the data you have today, but think about the infrastructure for the data that you're going to have mm -hmm. tomorrow and the day after. Um, so what types of data will you have? What parameters will you have? What are you going to be looking to do with the data? What partnerships are you looking to have? And having said all of that, I also need to add, don't try to boil the ocean. <laughs> so, right. Uh, so keep that in mind, not so that you can deliver, you know, the the ultimate solution that you might not need for five years, but actually so that what you're building for today and the the way that you're using the data today is set up for tomorrow and the day after and and five years from now, so you can build on this on the strategy, and know that your tech stack will be out of date in three years at best. So be prepared for that. Uh, so that you can actually be um, moving forward and have something that is sustainable and you don't have to build it all yourself. There's plenty of, of folks that you can partner with uh, to use solutions that already exist and actually only build on top of them. Well, that's fantastic. Anastasia, thank you so much for your insights. And I really enjoyed our conversation. 
And uh, we will see you at BioIT World. You are one of the keynote speakers. I want to make sure that everybody knows who, if you are attending, uh, you can hear Anastasia live. And uh, one of the opening keynote I think you got, which is a real coveted spot. So it is, yeah, Tuesday afternoon. For all of you attending BioIT World, make sure you get there early. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, Stan. Really appreciate this opportunity. Yes, thank you too.